0: Good evening, everyone. This is Amanda Meniere. This is the Veterans Voice. I am a veteran advocate and attorney at the Veterans Law Group. We have worked exclusively representing veterans pursuing their disability claims for over 25 years. Thank you for joining us here on KABC 790 from Los Angeles. This show is all about highlighting and celebrating veterans and their families, looking into organizations that are helping veterans in many different ways, providing some updated news, and then answering questions on how veterans can get support in dealing with the VA. This evening, we're gonna be taking your calls live. So if you have any questions related to veterans' claims, or if you would like to talk to us about anything related to veterans and their families, please uh, note our number is 800-222-KABC, and that's 800-222-5222. Generally, what we do when we're getting started with our evening is to uh, reach out to somebody who's either working in the industry, like I mentioned, one of the organizations that are supporting veterans. or talking with veterans who have gone through the process of pursuing their VA claims and just work on some issues around those particular uh, projects. Tonight is a little bit different. I wanted to welcome um, from a different perspective, the perspective of a spouse of a veteran. We all know that spouses and their families serve our country as well and definitely make immense sacrifices while their spouse is serving. Often they're practically single parents, sacrifice jobs and careers while their spouse serves. So I want to join this evening uh, Karen. We usually typically go by first names around here. She is the wife of a U.S. Army veteran. Um, She also assists us with just taking calls from veterans who are, or their families or spouses who are looking for how to navigate the process and just have some, maybe some questions, misconceptions, or needs need some direction. So she's gonna be able to offer us some some advice, some perspective, and just generally have a conversation of what it's like from uh, the spouse of a veteran. Welcome, Karen. Hi, well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, And as I mentioned when we were talking about just kind of prepping for this, I just, again, want to just have just kind of a general conversation. And I want to start at the beginning of just getting to know a little bit about you and your family. Um, Again, we try to stick with first names here, so um, feel free to, you know, share what you're comfortable with. But generally, I want to talk about, you know, you and your husband and kind of how he got into the military and how you got to know him and a little bit about your uh, experience while you were serving in active duty.
1: It, it was a little different for us. Um, he got in uh, the Army right at basically 18 years old when he graduated high school. He served 30 years in the Army before he wow. retired. Um, I've only been with him past 10 years. Um, I'm his second wife. Um, but it's been an interesting um, take because I got to, of course, we PCS and moved around, but I got to see the discharge aspect of when he got out and how— it worked really with the VA um, because it was a little bit difficult to start with on making sure, sure he got all his benefits and the issues and I just got to see every day how it affected him um, in his career and also um, personal life
0: yeah absolutely so during your, the time that you have known him and uh, with him um, about you said how many years of that was he in active duty about eight of those. He just recently retired a couple of years ago. Okay. And during the time, was he deployed at some point during that time? Or were you kind of acting on he your had, own? Like I was talking about how you often sacrifice jobs and single parenting, that kind of thing.
1: Not too bad. He had just come back from his last deployment. Um, okay. but it was hard for me to really get it, my career going or, uh, keep it going because we were moving every two to three years to different parts of the country. Um, and he was always gone for training, two, three, mm-hmm. four weeks at a time. And with we have young kids, so that made it a little more difficult through the pregnancies on my own a lot of, of times and things like that. Um, and the long hours he put in and everything.
0: Where were you um, stationed at? You said uh, we around. were
1: stationed in Bella, California. We were in um, San Diego, and we were also in um, the Poconos in Pennsylvania. Okay. Before he retired.
0: And just curious, which was your favorite of all of those? California was the nicest weather, but it was more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. We're you know broadcasting from Southern California, so we kind of everybody who's listening right now understands that. You know, it's a beautiful day today, but my uh, you know tax bill wasn't that wonderful to pay. That's for sure. Exactly, it's a give and take. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so your husband, um, retired after 30 years time. Um, and you kind of mentioned that had seen him kind of go through, you know, certainly during a 30 year period of time is what we do here is help them with their disability benefits. But talk a little bit about like when he was getting out, uh, one of one things I typically ask our, our veterans who are guests here is, you know, how much did you really learn about the disability process, about your benefits when you got out?
1: He actually, um, Learned a good bit, but that's only because I nagged at him. So I wanted to know all the details. I, I wanted to make sure he knew what was going on. that he got the full benefits um, with serving so many years and everything that he's been through, all the different war zones and countries and stuff like that, um, and the damage it's done to his body. I wanted to make sure he got all the benefits for that. And so
0: now so I I'm curious.
1: Sorry to interrupt. I'm
0: curious. um, One of the things that I've always wondered is why the VA or not the VA, but why when you're getting out of the military, you know, that TAPS class, which kind of goes over all of the benefits that I have heard in some places that there's a class like that for the spouses or the spouses are allowed to come to that. Was that your experience at all? That was never offered for me at all. Uh, He asked questions about what was available
1: for um, me because I am. I'm 15 years younger than him and then we started a young family. Mm-hmm. We got four kids with all of the age of eight so we have to look long-term um, sure. and but no no classes were if they were available they were never told to him or me that okay. they were available.
0: And I hear that it's very rare um, I think I can think of two um, of the veterans just off the top of my head that that was offered but now that I'm saying about it out loud it might have been offered by one of the veteran service organizations and not necessarily the military themselves. Um, but it's definitely something cause I see all the time in the work that we do here, you know, oftentimes people come to us, um, because either one, they say their spouse made them or two, it's actually the spouse or a parent or somebody that reaches out to us and says that their, you know, their, their son or their husband needs help with their claim. Um, and, and yes. we'll talk a little bit more about kind of your experience in talking with those, but definitely spouses are going to become so key to the process um, because just like you said, you were making sure that he was getting the information that you needed because it hugely affects you and, and him for sure, as well as, you know, being able to support and care for and be with you and your children at young ages. Yeah, it it made a big difference. Good. He, did he, um, start the, dis- in, in focusing on like, like on the disability claims process, did he start that process as he was getting out of the military? Some people I know file within the first year, some people file before they even get out. What did your husband do? He started six months before he got out is when they told us him the earliest
1: he could start, but it took almost another nine months after he got out, officially out before he started to receive any benefits at all. If we found out what benefits he could receive.
0: And what was that process like? Like, why did it take that long? Share as much as you feel comfortable with it just they were trying
1: to go back and double check all the medical records and everything of everything he'd gone through with thirty years it, it was a lot for them to go through. Sure. Um and I made sure I was like told him he needed to put down every little ache and pain mm-hmm. because if it's in you know an ache and pain now in your joints, even if they don't really give you anything for it or acknowledge it, it's still in your records that you complained about it while you were still active duty, so if it becomes something worse later on, it's easier. I knew it'd be easier to associate back to the military.
0: Sure, definitely, and for those of you who are listening that um, may currently in the military or have a, some, a friend or a family member who is, some of the key things that you wanna look at if you wanna help support them is that if they work on their claim, start working on the claim like Karen mentioned, while they're in the military and or file within the first year, there's a lot of benefits that they get out of that one it becomes a lot easier to prove the claim um, two there are certain conditions that you don't have to show treatment or diagnosis in service but if you have those um, symptoms within one year of service they will automatically service connect it it also affects your effective date so many mm-hmm. times what i end up dealing with is a veteran who had been 15 20 years and they never filed because it was like oh well at the time i got out i was just ready to get out and move on with my life Well, the longer you wait to file the claim, the harder it can be to actually prove it. However, on the flip side of that, there is never a time in which you can't file. So it can be 45 years from your time in service and you can still file for things. So I kind of want to really emphasize that on both sides that getting started early is really important and helpful but if you didn't, it doesn't mean that it's a bar to service. Karen, you know what we work with, even Vietnam veterans, Korea veterans, World War II veterans, even right now in exactly. our office. Yeah. It, it helps them
1: they can get more of the benefits and more use of it if they do it sooner. But if they do it later in life, like my father, did, who's a Vietnam veteran, um, he's still able to get benefits. It just, he went so many years without it. It took a little while longer, a little more digging elbow grease to get it working but it was able to get done
0: yeah absolutely and i'm I'm glad that you mentioned that because there's a lot of um, new things in the news about vietnam veterans and some changes to their uh, ability to get um, claims through and um, they've kind of opened up some new conditions with related to agent orange so we might visit that topic when we come back um here in a little bit Um, you're speaking we're speaking with karen this is amanda with the veterans voice I am a veteran advocate and attorney. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Karen and her husband's experience going through the comp, comp and pen exams, that kind of thing. And then I'd like to also touch on your dad's case for a little bit from a Vietnam veteran perspective. We'll be back. This is Amanda Miner with 790 AM. Good evening, everyone. This is Amanda Maneer with the Veterans Voice. I am a veteran advocate and attorney at the Veterans Law Group. And this show is all about highlighting and celebrating veterans and their families and kind of helping to answer questions on how veterans can get support in dealing with the VA and also some organizations that are helping to support, support veterans. This evening, um, we're joined by Karen. She is the spouse of a US Army veteran and mother of four, correct, Karen? Yes, a four. (laughs) Four young ones. Got your hands full. Um, Prior to the break, we were just kind of talking a little bit about Karen's experience of being a spouse of a veteran, and a veteran of 30 years who retired after 30 years, and kind of what that looked like during the time that she was married to him, and um, the process of getting out of the service. And so I want to dig a little bit into um, the disability claims process that you guys experienced. Um, I often talk about how important spouses are during the time that they're that the veteran is going through the process, getting those examinations, making th- sure that things are properly documented. And so, I want to step back a little bit for people who are a little unfamiliar with the process. That essentially, when a when a person signs up to join the military, part of that contract, part of the agreement that we as Americans make with you. Is that any injury that you're, is either incurred or aggravated by the time in service, that we will compensate them for basically the rest of their lives or as long as they have that particular injury. So the key things are to show that there was an injury in service or a pre existing injury was aggravated during service. They have a current disability and there's some link between it. There's a cause of their current disability, is that early injury. So what comes really, really important, and Karen I'll have you kind of chime in on this, what comes really important is those service treatment records. What you went to medical during service. Now, in my experience and what we all know is that people in the military don't tend to be complainers and don't tend to run to medical every time their back hurts or they have a headache, which becomes a problem when you don't have those things documented in their service treatment records. Do you have anything to speak to that? That is so true.
1: Um, Just for example, my husband wouldn't even go um, to see the doctor. And I was like, because of his snoring. And I'm like, dude, it's not snoring. You are stopped breathing in the night. And when I, after probably about nine months of nagging, um, Mm -hmm. I was like, you're going to go. And made him go. And he was um, severely, um, had severe issues. Like they stopped him in the middle of the night, an hour in, like, put this machine on, sir. You you stopped too many breathing too many times during Um, his sleep study during his sleep study. Wow. And it was that severe, but he wasn't even going to go. And I'm how many years he, he'd been snoring the whole time I'd known him. Um, and so it's been going on for many, many years prior to, right. And why for me overseas mainly is what they're figuring. And, but it's one of those things, Oh, it's just something normal or it's just something I don't complain about or don't mention. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's one of the things I had to make sure he, I was constantly, anytime he got hurt or injured, go to the doctor, go check it out. Go.
0: Now when you were encouraging to go, I assume we're talking about while he was still active. Um, yes. when you were encouraging him to go, were you familiar at all with the consequences of, you know, down the road of the, of getting able to get his disability and how it needed to be documented? Or were you really just from a spousal perspective, trying to say, Hey, go get help.
1: Um, I didn't realize at the time how much it, the documentation helped. It was more of just a spousal helping, but I got a lot of resistance on some things. Cause I knew certain things could maybe not end his career, but the direction it's going mm-hmm. um, of like no longer being able to be deployed right it took that off the table and things like that which as a 30-year veteran you know they're in it for life that's what they want to go do
0: right and so they certainly don't want do to things- be denied deployment due to a, a physical disability or physical issue because that, that makes them feel like they're you know they can't serve they can't do what they were born to do Exactly.
1: And it also changes the mind or can totally change the direction of the career that they had planned for their Mm -hmm. service. You know, they can't go certain ranks or things of that because they can't go do those extra things. They have to reroute their Now I'm curious and where they go for career.
0: I'm curious we didn't talk very much about where your husband served other than where you were stationed. You know, one of the top things in the news these days are, you know, issues that veterans are starting to experience that we're exposed to burn pits in the Middle East. Was that at all a factor in your husband's case?
1: Yes. He was over in um, Afghanistan. He was in Pakistan. He also spent a good bit of time in Germany too. And he was down in Panama. So he kind of been a little bit everywhere. Um, and that was one of the factors. And I knew, um, some guys I had gone to high school that had served over there, um, issues that they had come back with. And so I knew part of the problems he was having could be connected to that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But I was like, you just need to get the medical help. Because I was more worried on the wife's perspective. I want my husband with me as long as possible. Sure. So he needs to see the medical doctor, whether he likes it or not.
0: (laughs) Well, he's lucky to have you. Um, I certainly work, you know, obviously as a law firm, if you're coming to us on your disability compensation cases, you generally have been denied or underrated or one of those things with the VA. And they're a little bit harder cases. You know, I, I often say that I need to, you know, curb my cynicism a little bit because I don't see it when the VA gets it right. I only see it when they get it wrong. And one of the Mm -hmm. things that I see all the time is that, you know, I started talking about lack of documentation of the conditions, things like snoring or things like having insomnia or things like, you know, sinus issues and that kind of thing, that many of those things are now more and more being attributed to, or at least suspicious of attributed to the burn pits overseas. And I asked, you know, made me think about that because you were talking about the sleep apnea. Um, You know, sleep apnea can develop for multiple reasons but the big question is whether or not those um, burn pits are affecting sinuses and breathing issues and that kind of thing. In addition to, you know, there's cancer and other things that are coming up, I really feel personally that the burn pits is gonna turn into the next Agent Orange for the veteran, for the VA.
1: Yeah, I agree with that too because it's gonna be the biggest explosion of the chemical warfare, everything that they, they breathed mm-hmm. in. I mean, yeah. they went into every aspect of the body. They sweated it, they breathed it, everything.
0: Yeah, definitely. If you're just joining us, this is Amanda with the Veteran's Voice. We are talking with Karen, who is the spouse of a US Army veteran. And we're talking a little bit about her and her husband's, you know, experience in dealing with not only service in the military, but also kind of their experience in transitioning out. Um some of the other things that um that I would love to ask you about, Karen, is the comp and pen exam. We get asked about that all the time. So, for those of you listening who are unfamiliar, when the v- when you file a claim with the VA and the VA sees, okay, you had a, you know, you complained about your back when you were in service or you were snoring, complained about insomnia, we're going to send you to a comp and pen exam. That's what they call it. It's often called a CNP exam, where you're going to go see a physician who's going to not only diagnose you, but also determine whether or not that diagnosis is related to service. So I imagine your husband went through a whole slew of those. Oh, he did, and the questions were that he told me that they asked were very,
1: to me, they, didn't, they were yes and no. They didn't let him explain mm-hmm. what actually, how it felt, or the injuries felt, or how it affected everyday life. It was just, does this bother you? Yes, can you still do this? Yes. There's no explain, but I do it in pain. But I do it, you know. Ten minutes later, I still lose feelings in my fingers, but I still do it. Absolutely, kind of question, So.
0: Yeah, and, they tend, and it, I think it's just the nature of people who served in the military, and they, they give yes or no answers. They don't complain. They don't often ask for help. Um, and I also want to just remind that we're live on the show right now, and if you're listening and you have a question, especially about a C&P exam or anything related to a VA disability claim, feel free to call in. You can call, talk to us live at 800-222-5222. And I know often, like, if you don't want to talk about your disabilities, while you are live on the air in Los Angeles, you're welcome to reach out to us directly at veteranslaw.com, that's veterans with an S. You can enter your information there and we can sign you up for a free consultation. But if you have a question that you wanna talk about on air that might be able to help other people, feel free to call in again, 800-222-5222. Karen, um, let's talk about, I know some of your husband's stuff is orthopedic related, correct? Yes. So one of the things that's difficult with orthopedic is just like you were talking about is that they generally want to rate you rated based upon like how far you can bend over, how far you can lift your arms up, all of that kind of thing. And I know it becomes very frustrating for a veteran and I'm sure this spouse that it's not just that simple. It's not just a matter of, okay, well, on the day I went into my examination, I could bend over 30 degrees or I could bend over 90 degrees that can be a completely different day than two days later. Can you speak to that a little bit from your husband's perspective or your experience? Oh, yeah. you? Um, and I, I, like I was telling him when doing the exams,
1: it's not that you can't bend over, but are you doing it in pain or not? Cause he just, I, he does it anyways. And that's one of the biggest problems mm-hmm. is he'll still continue in the pain. But like two days later, he can't move or he's dropping the dishes cause he has no grip. Mm-hmm. Um, or he, is having a hard time lifting and bending things over, um, just to put shoes on. Simple things like that. But that day he because he hadn't been doing it as much or for some reason it was just a good day, right. it makes it more difficult. Well, it's great that they had a great day. But you know, that's not n- reality, that's not ninety percent of the time. Sure, or and I wanna how much just I be
0: profiting
1: on that day
0: to make it's... it a good day. Exactly. Or stretches or yoga or the things that they started to implement in their life. Um, When we get back, what I would love to talk a little bit about is um, one, there seems to be this resistance um, among a lot of veterans of like, oh, well, I don't, I don't, you know, I didn't file because I don't really need that. There's other people who need it more. um, And they're, they're kind of somewhat missing the, this isn't a handout. This isn't something that is like, You know, I I lost my job and therefore I need help or it isn't a charity. It is really part of your contract and it's meant so that we can help you to support your family in times where things progressively, generally orthopedic issues progressively get worse. They don't really get better. Um, And so down the road, it may become worse and worse and you getting the benefits that you need and you deserve is not taking away from anybody else. Um, we'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Amanda Manier with the Veterans Voice on KABC 790. Good evening, oh. everyone. This is Amanda Manier with the Veterans Voice on 790 KABC in Los Angeles. I am a veteran advocate and attorney at the Veterans Law Group. Uh, You probably just heard my dog bark here. We are a a service dog-friendly office here. (laughs) Um, Sorry about that. Uh, Veterans Law Group, we've exclusively represented veterans pursuing their VA disability compensation for over 25 years. What we like to do on this show is to highlight veterans and their families, organizations that are helping veterans, provide some news and stuff that's going on that might affect you, and then also answering questions on how veterans can get support in dealing with the VA. Um, We are taking live calls, but I want to first introduce our uh, guest host this evening is Karen. She is a spouse of a U.S. Army veteran who retired after 30 years, a mother of four, and she also assists us here in our office with helping with deal with initial client calls that come in or potential clients and answering maybe some initial claims about the process, even if you're not somebody that we can take on as a client at this time. I've been told at the break that we do have a caller that I'd like to take now and invite Karen in to kind of help with this conversation. Uh, Mike in L.A., um, you had a question about your VA disability claim. Thank you for joining us. Mike, are you there? Okay, I'm not hearing Mike. Maybe we can uh, reestablish that connection. Karen, are you with us? I am still here. All right, thanks. So we'll come back to Mike, hopefully he'll come back and join us with this question. Um, Before we went to the break, we were talking a little bit about your husband going through many comp and pen exams and specifically we were talking about orthopedic things. And one of the things that I've seen that comes up a lot is, you know, people who served in the military, it's like they serve with honor, they're taught not to complain, they're taught to kind of suck it up, that kind of thing. So when they get out it becomes this kind of somewhat unsettling process of, well, I don't really need to go and ask for disability. I'm not disabled, you know, and I, other people need it more than me, that kind of thing. Um, and I want to kind of maybe bring in not only your experience with your husband, but also in working with the veterans that kind of contact us or their spouses that contact us and maybe speak a little bit to that of, have you experienced that kind of perspective and kind of help how you help them walk through that?
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it can be a delicate process because they don't want to admit that they're broken or damaged because as, as, that's how they look at it. Um, they still want to be that strong, brave person that can serve whether they're still serving or not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's hard that, to make them understand it doesn't change that you, what you did, um, that you're still a soldier. You, that's just part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but that you deserve, um, whether it's different types of treatments to help you with the issue that you had, medical issues, because of serving, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's the emotional ones or the physical ones, or both, um, that they deserve the treatment. They deserve the support of being there and getting what they... The military puts the wear and tear on the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyday life does, but nothing like the military does. And that
0: deserves compensation drastically. It's not just normal everyday wear and tear mm, absolutely and and often it becomes a thing of those benefits if if you as a veteran are willing to pursue them down the road can become a benefit that supports your family so one of yes. those um, things are you know if if you end up being a permanently disabled one hundred percent disabled veteran for a period of ten years. Or you end up passing on due to a service-related disability, your spouse after you're gone is entitled to certain benefits. If you're able to get to 100%, and that doesn't mean 100% disabled from the VA doesn't mean that you can't function in the world. It just means that they've added up your various different disabilities, your various different conditions of arthritis and back pain, and you know PTSD, and you know maybe some of the you know sleep apnea and some of the issues related to burn pits. That end up being 100% disabled. There are many veterans who are rated at 100% who still work a job and that kind of thing. Um, so there's some, you know, understanding of this 100% disability doesn't mean you're dysfunctional. Um, the other thing that we've experienced is that, like I talked about before, that some of these things, like especially orthopedics, progressively get worse over time. So maybe at the time that you get out of service, you know, you tweaked your back in service, or you fell down a hill, or you injured your knee, or whatever. That then going, you know, moving forward, maybe it's not bothering you very much at the time, but if you go ahead and get it service connected, even if they rate it at 0%, meaning, yes, you have an injury, but it's not really affecting you, 20 years later, that knee may be, need to be replaced. And go ahead. Exactly. It makes it so much easier than
1: for, like you said, it's already been connected to your military service. It makes it easier to get the help that you need to, whether it's the surgery for your knee or the special inserts for your shoes and things like that.
0: Yeah. And even the VA will provide a temporary 100% during the time that you're having surgery and recovering for surgery. So it's, you know, I can even look at it as a long-term or short-term disability plan, um, that is provided to the veteran. So there's all kinds of reasons of pursuing it. Even if it's not really about the money for you, the compensation for you, it's part of the process of being able to take care of you and your family. I'm being told that um, our caller Mike from Los Angeles is back online, and so we'd like to welcome him and see if we can address some of his questions. Mike, are you with us?
2: Yes, I am. I'm on uh, a junk Android phone, and that's what happened. uh, (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, I'm I'm sort of like a poster boy for everything that uh, Karen has uh, brought up. And uh, one of my issues was I, I slogged through it uh, on my own pretty much, mm-hmm. and I eventually got to 100% service-connected. But uh, they didn't, you know, like, like you guys were indicating earlier, they it was a continual process of denial and then come back at them and come back at them. Mm-hmm. And some of the information was already in the records after mm-hmm. I had gotten out of service. I had physicians... Uh, Uh, diagnosis, psychiatrist diagnosis, and, you know, end stage orthopedic stuff and, you know, a lot of stuff that's already there. And they flat out denied me in particular on the PTSD. Mm. Uh, And it it was in the VA uh, long-term psychiatrist opinion that I had it, blah, blah, blah. And so my question was, uh, all of this came up, I lost the appeal date due to COVID Mm. and the the inability to get with my VSO during the, during the Mm -hmm. appeal deadline. So Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that that is a lost cause. Would that be Mm -hmm. a correct assumption?
0: No, actually the VA in about mid-March of 2020 issued a news release that they would give extensions to appeal deadlines because of COVID. You have to ask for it. So um, that's more than something that we would be able to help you with if you want to contact our office. Karen, could probably reach out to back to you and give you the language that we use for that
2: Um, so if
0: like if all you do right now is file the appeal they'll come back because if you're um, you know you have one year to appeal the decision and if you don't appeal during that time usually you lose an earlier effective date or you lose your increase on your effective date but if you're if you file that appeal without the request for an extension they'll deny it but if you utilize the language that says I'm requesting an extension due to COVID, then, um, and it's a, if you appeal it at the local regional office, which means it's a supplemental claim or a higher level review, they're obligated to grant that. If you're going to the board, it's discretionary, so we usually recommend that you keep it at the regional office for that purpose. And then if mm-hmm. you need to go to the board, you can, but hopefully you, you wouldn't have to do that. So.
2: Okay, because okay. all the issues like you had brought up were, were interconnected in particular, obstructive sleep apnea, uh, CHF, AFib, all of that. But then mm-hmm. the the other question was, I was just going on the assumption that it's a lost cause. And so I was reading through the literature and would I, would I be eligible, although I'm 100% service connected for disabilities, would I be eligible for uh, Uh, a pension uh, for only five years of service?
0: Um, You can't get pension if you're talking about like disability pension, which is a little different than retirement, Um, but you can't get pension and disability compensation at the same time. They usually will pick whichever one is giving you the most money at the time. So if you're 100%, you're getting more money under that. Pension is also dependent upon finances. And so right. you're okay. you're rated on that. So you can't get both of those at the same time. Um, okay,
2: so, so at least it's not a lost cause. Uh, and I, I believe the, the end date for the uh, appeal of the effective date would have been, I think, December of 2020. And I missed yeah. that because, like I say, it was difficult to get a hold of... Uh, my
0: vso yeah so in our office what we've been saying is that if somebody comes to us with a rating decision of march 2019 or or after we can fit them within a covid waiver so that fits within that as well so um our our office if you go online to veteranslaw.com you can submit something there um and and mention this or you can just call our office with it which is 888-811-0523 and we can help you out with that
2: Okay, and and then just for for the other people that are listening now, uh, everything you said has been true. It's an extremely arduous process, especially if you're trying it yourself. But you need to continue and endeavor to persevere and just keep coming back at them because it seemed to me that, uh, you know, like any any organization, you're going to have knowledgeable people and people Mm – not really up to snuff on a lot of stuff and just depends on who you encounter. So, uh, you know, expert, expert advice is definitely a big asset.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you found a veteran service officer eventually to work with. Um, one of the, uh, recommendations that I tell people all the time is just don't do it alone. Even if you don't want to reach out to an attorney and you can get help with the VSO, um, many of them can help in a lot of ways. We, again, kind of take on some of the more complex cases that maybe need independent exams, that kind of thing. Um, but Mike, thank you so much for calling and lending your you know, you know, know, endorsement or support about what we're talking about here. And I'm glad to be able to help you with hopefully getting an earlier effective date and some more back pay on that. Um, When we come back, um, we'll either take another caller or I want to go back with Karen to talk a little bit about Vietnam veterans and some of the things that are going on with them, um, her father being a Vietnam veteran. So we will be right back. This is Amanda Meneer with the Veterans Voice. Good evening. This is Amanda Meneer with the Veterans Voice on 790k ABC from Los Angeles. I am a veteran advocate and attorney at the Veterans Law Group, and we've exclusively represented veterans pursuing their VA disability compensation for over 25 years. Um, One of the things that we like to do on the show is highlight those who are supporting veterans, those who are veterans themselves and their families, and also answer questions on how veterans can get support. And tonight I'm joined as a co-host, Karen, who is the spouse of a U.S. Army veteran who retired after 30 years. And we've been talking about all things related to pursuing your VA claim, um, some of the burn pit issues we talked about. And then our latest caller, Mike, just said a few things talking about the process of getting his claim um, granted to 100 percent and the support he got from a veteran service officer. And you made a comment that I just want to go back and address and kind of get your feedback Karen on is that you know why is it so difficult and it's like you feel like you're kind of banging your head against the wall of getting this process through and I want to address that a little bit because You know, the super cynicism part of me is like, well, and I hear this from veterans a lot is, well, the VA is just expecting me to give up there. I know I hear often they're waiting for me to die. Um, And then it's like, is it really that? Is it that cynicism? Is it just laziness and incompetency? Or is there some, you know, ownership on the veteran side, or maybe it's just like lack of support and knowledge to be able to see, okay, what is it that's missing? What is it that the VA needs to get it granted? I think it's a little bit everything. Um, I've heard most of those also from Mm. different levels of veterans. Um,
1: but what it is, um, at least from my personal experience with veterans, my, my veteran, my husband, um, he's like, they don't, when they turn you down, he's like, they, they don't believe you that you've gone through what you went through. Um, that they don't, when you're saying this hurts, or I'm, well, I'm experienced in this. Um, certain situation over and over and over again and it's disrupting my sleep or it's affecting my moods, they don't believe you. Oh, that couldn't affect you. That didn't affect somebody else. Each veteran can affect differently to some extent. Um, there's some things that across the board that affect everybody the same, but a lot of things affect people differently or, well, it didn't bother you for two years. Why does it bother Mm -hmm. you now? Something else could have all of a sudden triggered it. Um, whether or it was a that or
0: an incident or that thing that comes up where you know why, why did it take you 10 years to get treatment and it's like well I didn't have health insurance I was trying to find a job I was working t- I was in transition I I couldn't go get help so once I was able to get some stability and see the doctor then I was able to complain about my back <laughs> or I finally learned about going I'm amazed at how often I hear that pe- that people don't know that they can even go sign up to get health care at the VA it's, there's still yeah, a lot some misconceptions. of them don't know. just the
1: basic. Yeah, you don't have to get the monetary. You can just get the basic health care from them. They don't know that. They don't. Or also denial that mm. they might have an issue. Mm. Oh, he's mm-hmm. just angry all the time. That's just him. Right. No, it could be because of something you're experiencing and you're not able to communicate that back out. You have to get to a term to where you can admit and admit to yourself that maybe you have a problem of some sort, not that you're broken or a horrible person, but that sure. you need help. Sure, It can be a temporary thing that you go get fixed and it can you can get better
0: or mm-hmm. something like long term. Well, and some of the things that I've seen, I'm thinking of a particular case right now that um, he had filed a claim for a back disability and skin cancer, both of which he was treated for while in service. And the VA came back and said, none of that is mentioned in your service treatment records. Well, he went back through his service treatment records and he knew about the time where he went and sought treatment and he knew the time that he had been you know had a cancerous mole removed from his skin and we found you know the doctor scrabble scribbles (laughs) in his notes where me as somebody who didn't know what what that said and didn't know the time frame would not have read it as low back would not have said it read it as cancer cells but he was able to see. Yeah, and then when you see him say, yeah, that's me complaining about my low back and you're, you know, reading the scribble from the doctor and you're like, "Oh, okay, I can see how that says low back." So what we did is we took his service treatment records and we annotated them what they said and submitted those and that ended up getting him service connection. Because they have to see it in your service treatment records, but maybe they can't read it. Nowadays, most everything is electron, you know, electric rec- or medical records that are digital. Um, you know, twenty years ago, or even less than that, it was just the scribble notes from the doctor, which you know have great penmanship.
1: They always do. And then also, if they even kept a copy of their own records, is mm-hmm. the problem too? I've oh, I've, I've heard several servicemen have lost their records because of all the moves. Or mm-hmm. got damaged and they're missing parts or sections of them and they don't realize to go before they get out or if they can get new copies of them and so they just think oh i don't have that access to it oh well i don't get it mm-hmm. or i complained of back injury here well you now have you know a herniated disc well they're not putting two and two together N- yes exactly You have discs you know fused together in your neck or your back Would you Mm complain of it? Oh, my back ached. Well, that is a connected, but they don't always recognize that.
0: Yeah. And when you're dealing with people at the VA who are processing these claims and making determinations as to whether something is service connected, they're not medical professionals. They're the decision maker is not a medical professional. They get advice from medical professionals through those comp and pen exams, but something has to trigger the VA what they call veteran service representative who was reviewing a claim and saying okay is there anything in their service treatment records and if there is then we're going to send them to a medical doctor or a physician's assistant to say do they have a current diagnosis and is it related to this injury in service so you're leaning on somebody who is not entirely an entry-level employee but certainly you know the higher level reviewers people who are reviewing cases if you appeal them have to have at least 10 years of experience so if they're a veteran service representative working for the va they typically have less than 10. and you're having them review medical records have an understanding of what that means and a lot of times and we see this a lot with heart conditions that whatever is put in the doctor's notes is actually related to their heart but it doesn't specifically state hypertension it might say something mm-hmm. else and so you're that's part of having a veteran service officer or an attorney kind of help walk you along again don't do that alone walk you through this process because they've been through it hundreds or thousands of times with people they represent and can help you support help support you in that The other thing I would say is don't depend on the VA to do what they're supposed to do. You know, they're supposed to get your service treatment records, but I was just reviewing a case earlier today, and they said they could only get them up to 2007, and this veteran served till 2018. You know, they, for some reason, don't have them. So you're right in the, as if you're a serving military member right now, make sure that you're holding on to those service treatment records and have a copy when you leave. I tell every, I get a few phone calls
1: every so often about they're still active duty or they're processing out and they are trying to get a head start of what to expect. I'm like, get a copy of your record. Mm, absolutely. Go get your own copies. It makes things easier when you're trying to argue, um, to connect point A and point B, you know, mm-hmm. my foot hurts to, you now have arthritis in your ankle.
0: Right exactly you
1: know things like that it's easier to connect point A and point B if you've got bachelor records because they can't always seem to find things
0: yeah definitely and I um, we're this is Amanda with the veterans voice and we're talking with Karen who is the spouse of a veteran we're talking a little bit about the process of getting service connected and disability compensation and kind of what some of the complications are with that. Um, Like I said, oftentimes it's that the veteran doesn't really know what they need to provide the VA. And I always look at it as our responsibility as representatives is to make sure that we put all the ducks in a row, that we make it super easy for the VA to grant your case because contrary to what is often believed this is what's called a non-adversarial process which means that there should not be anybody at the VA that's arguing against you getting service connected they should be reviewing your records reviewing the law and saying is it within our bounds of the law to be able to grant this case it's not like there's opposing counsel or somebody saying you can't do this and that works all along the way if, even if you go through the appeals process up to the court of appeals Um, We've definitely handled cases that go all the way up to the Supreme Court because you as a veteran do have that right to appeal your case all the way up to the Supreme Court. There certainly has to be grounds for it, but, um, you know, it's we've been able as an organization to make change within the VA by having decisions at the Federal Circuit and the Supreme Court that helps support veterans all along the way. So I just, I want to thank Karen for joining us. I know that I talked, if you were listening to our whole show, I kept bringing up that I wanted to talk about her father and Vietnam veterans. And I'm kind of starting to think that we need to address Agent Orange and Vietnam veterans in a show all on its own. So Karen, I hope that you will join me sometime in the future where we can do that. Thank you again. I just want to say I am so grateful to be able to represent and support veterans every day. And it's my job to, you know, make sure that we can always give the veterans what they're entitled to. Thank you so much for joining me this evening.